the absolute worst hiccups. Every single time, it's just like, why? <laughs> Did you hear this? I cannot, I do not have normal hiccups. I always sound like a monster. I can't put you for the worst of it. Let me wait. No. <laughs> you cannot hear the worst of it because it's like animalistic sounds. So yeah, let's just sit here with me. <laughs> sit here with me. Until I stop hiccup. <laughs> Why is everything I do a joke? Why? I just... <laughs> oh god, you see? <laughs> like I'm gonna vomit. <laughs> Get it together. It's an important episode, okay? <laughs> it's an important episode. I'll be back as soon as I stop. Are we safe? I feel so exposed. <laughs> I feel like I have just exposed the part of my life that's only private. It's only for friends and unluckily the husband that lives with me. As opposed to what the husband doesn't. Oh, I just move on. Today I'm bringing you a story of a super inspiring woman. Her name is Marta Kohn. Heard about her? She was a French spy in the Second World War. And she is one of the baddest bitches out there. <sighs> Marta. She's an inspiration. If you haven't, well, now is your chance. Now is your chance. And then right after it, you can go and watch a documentary on her, which is probably what I'm going to do as well with my life. Because when I watch that trailer, I rarely hear a quote nowadays that just stops me in my tracks. And I'm like, yeah, this is this is life-changing. You know, a lot of people like read freaking Paolo Coelho or somebody and then they have like the phone background immediately changed to that quote. That just doesn't happen with me. But the quote I'm ending this episode on might just change your life. I'm not even gonna lie. The woman I'm talking about to you today, just to put things into perspective before I even dive in, she is 101 this year. She turned 100 last year during quarantine. You know my love for the elderly. You just know it. You just know I see them. They're the cutest. And they're the smartest, and they have so much to teach us. And if you're not close to your grandparents, you're missing out. So, let me show you why. Let me show you why you're missing out. Because Marta Kohn's story starts with World War II. Well, it starts a bit earlier, of course. But this is where I'm gonna start it, because I need you fully immersed. I need you to picture a situation. It's 1942. It's the midst of World War II, it's the worst of it, and Marta is a French Jew who is living with her family, but is feeling the pressure of the oppression of the Germans already. So Marta and her sister Stephanie, that's how I think it's pronounced in French, were assisting people who wanted to escape to the unoccupied France. However, her sister made a mistake on one occasion, and she sent out a letter containing her maiden name instead of her fake German name. So the people that she has sent a letter to snitched to the Sicherheit Polizei or the safety police because Germans are nothing if not literal, especially in World War II. So this was a division of Nazi secret police and they went to their house and arrested Stephanie. However, she was obviously refusing to say anything to the police because she knew if she was to say anything, if she was to snitch, like 
she would implicate other people in the family. So what they did, because they were evil motherfuckers, two hours later, they went back to the house and arrested now her father in order to pressure Stephanie into fessing up. This is so wild and it reminds me of Boy in Striped Pyjamas. If you don't want to get depressed, don't read that book and then watch the movie as well just to add salt to the wound because that's who I am as a person. Like, hey, Nazi Germany, let's watch every movie ever made about it. Like, why? Why do you need that stress in your life? Why do you need to picture, like, the worst of humanity? But her dad was released from prison. However, she was kept in French prison for at least a month. And obviously there were speculations that she was probably tortured into trying to confess. And I'm not going to go into detail. One day I might make an episode about the information on torture in Nazi Germany that lives in my head rent-free under the Gestapo. But um, not today, because it's too much and the story is not really about that. So Marta, in the meantime, obviously, she does not sit still. That's something you're going to learn about Marta during this minisode. Marta does not have chill pill. Mm-mm. She's like, yeah, my sister is in prison. Escape plan. Prison break. 1.0. Let's go. And she actually made a viable plan. So she snuck into this prison. That's why it reminds me of Boy in Striped Pajamas, because I assume this is like across fences that they're communicating. So tell Stephanie, like, hey... This is the date and the time. We're getting you out of here. But Stephanie told her that she's the only person that's providing medical assistance to some imprisoned children. Because if you know anything about Nazi Germany and the torture camps, the age did not matter in those. Like, people of all ages were in different concentration camps. And she also refused to escape and told her, like, I'm risking your life. It's like, if I escape, they're going to find you and imprison you and then torture you and the whole family. After this meeting, Stephanie was transferred to two other torture camps and then they lost the trail of her in September 1942, only to find out that she has been actually transferred to Auschwitz and then killed there eventually. Marta, at this point, she still obviously was unaware of all of this, and she was kind of trying to move and locate her sister and still stay in communication with her. So she moved to Paris, and this is where she met her fiancé, the English version, the name is Jacques. What is the French version? How do you pronounce it? Jacques? Jacques. Jacques. Jacques Delanoy. Mm-hmm. That, that is definitely correct. And Jacques was a medical student who fought in the French resistance. However, one day she just received a letter from Jacques' mom saying that he has been executed by the Nazis in October 1943. And this is when I can just presume there is some spite building up in Marta. She's like, okay, wow, my sister, I don't know where she is. She's probably killed at this point. My fiance killed as well. I'm going to make you motherfuckers pay. This is it. This is this is it. I'm gonna like not just sit on my fucking ass. I'm gonna do something about this. So at this point, she has already had a nursing degree from French Red Cross, and she tried multiple times to join the resistance. So in November 1944, she enlists herself as a member of intelligence service of French First Army. But when she presented herself for duty, I'm gonna put in the YouTube video. 
pictures of young Martha, like, you know, when you look at, I don't know, your grandparents' old pictures and stuff, and you're like, wow, things were really different back then. When I look at Martha, like, she was hot, even for today's standards. Like, I think Martha would have been considered hot. Do you realize how weird this sounds? You're talking about a 101-year-old person. But when she was young, I'm talking about her when she was young. But she was petite and she was also blonde. So obviously all of these commanders were not going to take her seriously. And according to her own words, she says that the commander thought she had no substance. And she offered herself as a nurse because that's what she studied. That's what she had a degree in. But he said they didn't need any nurses, but they needed a social worker. So, of course, Martha is like, hey, I'm going to become a social worker, but I'm also going to, you know, do, do these things on the side. Like, I'm not going to just, like, chill and just do what you tell me to do, white man in power. No. No, I'm going to do a bit of what I like to do. So she would go around as a social worker because, again, nobody told you what to do back in the day. So that's just giving you a loophole to do a bit of whatever you like to do. So she decided to visit these French soldiers while they were chilling and to just bring them supplies. And on one such occasion, she met Pierre Fabienne. And Fabienne was a famous guy. He was kind of known in the French resistance because in '42 he killed a German in a metro station. And he was one of the people that started assassinations of German officials that occupied France. And he kind of met her, and from what I read, I get the vibe that he was thinking of, I don't know, giving her a job. And when he met her, he was like, listen, actually, you would be quite useful, like, if you want to go to my house, you know, to answer these calls. During my lunch break, you can take over and answer any calls so nothing is missed, because, you know, he was important in the army. So she does. She goes to his house and while there was like a lull in phone calls, she's looking at his library, right? At his bookshelves of books. And he kind of says like, oh, I'm sorry, actually, like all of the books I have are in German. Like, I don't have any books for you to read. And she just says like, no, that's fine. Like, I'm fluent in German. To which Fabian kind of got interested. He was like, wait, but then that means we can maybe use you as a spy and transfer you to the intelligence service of the French First Army. To which Martha, of course, was bored as hell of this job as a social worker, not even doing the nursing jobs as she was supposed to. She was like, yes, some action, please. And she describes that he kind of left the room and left her there by herself and she was just sitting and wondering what did I just get myself in? But she gets into the army and gets stationed near these mountains in France and is overseen by a colonel. And a fun fact, her nickname was Chinchinette, which translated to pain in the neck because of how many questions she would ask while she had this job post. So, of course, during this time, they placed her there, they placed her near the German border because the whole time the goal is to get her over to Germany and to get her to get any information that she can. So this is when we meet Marta Ulrich. And this was really smart. The commanders actually gave her the option 
to take over and think of her own cover story because they were like, listen, if it comes from our heads, you're probably going to forget about certain details. Like, you think of something that you can pull off, like something that you can definitely take and milk it for all it's worth, that you can ask the smallest question about it. So, of course, she thought, okay, cool, very similar name, that is going to work. But also, what I need to ensure of is that I know ins and outs of what my job is, so what better story to have than I'm going as a nurse. And another thing that can be really applicable, you know, that thing when they tell you, like, in order to lie, your lie needs to be, like, at least 50% truth. Like, the more truth that there is in a lie the less likely people are going to figure out that it is one. So she chose for her cover story to be that she is going to Germany looking for her fiancé. And because she was close to the border, she would spy on the activities of different civilians in Freiburg and the soldiers on Siegfried Line, which was this defensive line that was built alongside the German border. As Marta Uri, she gets into the game now. So one February night, she is posing as Marta Uri, and she is not really dressed for the weather, because she just knew that that is going to play into her story. So she's just like shivering. She's at the border, trying to play into her head what she's going to tell them to let her through. So she's going through the snow, and she noticed the Germans approaching her, so she pretends like, you know, she hasn't noticed anything until they point their rifles at her that will do it, right? And she kind of lifts her arms up in the air immediately. She screams, don't shoot in fluent German. And she explains to them, like, she's a nurse. She's trying to cross the border to look for her missing fiancé. She's obviously fluent in German, really blonde, blue eyes, just petite. She would pass for a German any day just based on her looks. And the Germans at first were like a bit sus, like, who is this woman? Like, okay, she's fluent, but whatever. Obviously, she had to have documents, and she did. She had fake documents, she had even pictures. She named this guy Hans, of course, (laughs) because that's the most German you can get. It's so predictable. I just love, truly love when spite wins. This is the shit I live for. Because, of course, the people who try to oppress you and make you learn German wherever you live because of Nazi propaganda and because Aryan power and you need to look a certain way and you need to breed with a certain race in order to be all blonde, blue eyes and shit and everybody needs to speak German. Surprise, but people might use it to their advantage. I know, right? Funny how when you make it obligatory for people to learn German and then they use that to like fuck you over, you seem surprised. You're like, oh, how did we have this many spies? I don't know, maybe because people found a loophole in your oppressive ways? Just a guess, so of course, Marta was in. She was let into the country. I'm just gonna play some parts of this interview because this woman gives me hope. Like, even how she speaks after all these years is just so empowering. You just need to hear it firsthand. She spoke fluent German and her blue eyes and blonde hair made her perfect to be a spy. In 1944, she was recruited by the intelligence service. While trying to cross into Germany through a guarded field, she hid behind a bush. I suddenly realized the immensity 
of what I was going to do. And I became so terrified that I was paralyzed by fear for several hours. She thought, I prefer to be killed than to be called a coward. Mart was supposed to be a German nurse looking for information about a fictional fiancé. She stayed in Germany for one month among people who would have killed her or worse had they known she was a Jew. There were times I was terrified, but never for a long time. I always found the right thing to answer. Cohen lost her fiancé, who was killed during World War II by Nazis, and her sister, who was sent to Auschwitz, where she was killed. Mart brought back three pieces of valuable military information, and decades later, she would receive several medals and accolades for her work. Now she's traveling with her husband and sharing her story while drawing parallels with today. Nobody accepted us, so I remember that. And that's why it's important to tell people how difficult it was for us so that they realize that they have to be much more open to other migrants and trying to preserve the past. People have very short memories, very short. And if you don't know the past, you cannot prepare the future. In Portland. I wish I had the luck in life to sit down with Marta and just have her opinion on like current political climate like hey Marta what do you think about Brexit Uh, people really not learn from the past for the future did they like you said in this interview they didn't really listen to you did they yeah but then I don't want to raise blood pressure like a hundred one year old because I still want her to live for like another hundred years fucking epic cool so Marta is in Germany now okay And here, I'm just briefly going to go into her background before she went to Germany because I feel it's important for you to understand how she has used the spite that I said was probably pretty essential, but also everything that she has witnessed. Because as she has said herself in this interview, she learned from the past and then applied it in the future. So Marte was born on April the 13th, 1920 in Metz in France. And she was raised as the Orthodox Jew and as one of the seven children. Her family lived near the German border when Hitler was rising to power. So when the war started, her province was part of Nazi-occupied France. And as soon as that happened, that meant that the people of the province were forbidden to speak French and were forced to speak German. (laughs) To which I put in the next line, it shall come to bite them in the ass. So she didn't just use the spite caused by two of her dearest people being assassinated by the Germans. She used also her background, the segregation, and knowing how the oppressors were thinking to stop the war. Did I mention that I love when spite wins? I think I might have briefly mentioned it. Let me just, after every single line, just, you know, say it once, just for you to, like, you know, have it really nailed into your fucking brains. The spite will always prevail. Cool. <laughs> so now when she is at this sacred line, when she is crossing the border, she is of course joined with other Germans that are trying to return to their country for all different reasons, because of course they're all legit and just fluent in German, like Marta. So one of these mates was an SS officer, and he was actually wounded while fighting in Russia, and was now assigned to work for the secret line as a non-commissioned officer. 
So as they were walking, this SS officer just collapses on the ground. And Marta is like, hey, perfect opportunity for me to help him out as a nurse. So once he regained consciousness, he felt better, he gave her his number. And of course, Marta at first is like, this is disgusting. Like, you're literally one of the people that killed my sister. But as she is thinking as a spy, three weeks later, once she hears on the German radio that the Allies are going to invade Freiburg, she's like, actually thinking as a professional spy here, I kind of think I need to go on a date with this pig. I just feel like I must. It's it's my duty. It's you know it's only professional to go on a date with an SS officer. So now, if you remember, this guy worked for that Siegfried line. So she obviously went there, you know, to pick him up, go on a date, whatever, like get it over with. But as she reached Siegfried line, she discovers that it was completely evacuated. So she thinks she knows what this means, and at best, she needs to let people know. Because she thought right away that if the Allied armies don't have to fight against the Siegfried Line, they could much faster occupy the rest of the Germany and end the war. So she tries to go back and alert her commanders to alert other people and to try to get them to invade and to end the war. However, what she is not aware of but is soon to find out is as she is walking to get back, she is faced by a tank because the Allied invasion has already begun. And I cannot imagine what was going on through her head, because the soldiers in this tank could easily think she is French, she's a Jew, could easily kill her without even asking her for an explanation. And she was just going on a date. She didn't have a single document on her. So what would you do yourself? How would you play this off? Well, what Marta has done uh, might not have crossed your mind. You might not have gone straight straight for the balls. Well, what Marta has done yet again might prove that spite wins and that you should be educating yourself, especially in the time of the war, because it might just save your fucking life. So Marta goes in the middle of the street. She raises her right hand as high as she can and she makes the sound in the shape of the letter V that stood for victory of Winston Churchill. So the tank stops and takes her on board and she somehow manages to convince them to take her to French headquarters. So of course this commander kind of thought, okay, this might be a trap, so he sent other officers and everybody confirmed, no, this front line is just evacuated, we need to make use of this. So now you're probably thinking, okay, cool, Martha is gonna let people do the work, that she's gonna, you know, retrieve, let other people fight, you know, let them figure it out. Of course not. Why would she? She has reached till here. She needs to go and obtain final information, because how are the Allied forces gonna know where to find them Germans? How are they gonna know where to fight? You tell me. You, you, I would probably be like, okay, this my work here is done. I'm just gonna go chill on the bed right now. Marta is like, no, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play to my womanly powers and I'm going to go encounter this German colonel and fake that I'm, of course, I'm German. I'm not faking that. No way. I'm a German in distress and I'm just very concerned about this war because... 
I have fled from Freiburg when the French have invaded, and I'm just concerned. Like, is the war over? Have the Germans lost? Like, have we lost? It's impossible. Hail Hitler, all of that. <laughs> God. Oscar worthy, Oscar worthy, my Hail Hitler, all of that. <laughs> You'll be the first. They shoot you first and then throw all of the other corpses on top of you in Auschwitz. That's what you would fucking end up with. With your dumbass brain. Hell, Hitler, all of that. Like, in a completely Eastern European accent. Bitch. <laughs> fucking asshole. So she does that. Don't make me laugh. Don't make me go through Hail Hitler, all of that again. And the colonel tells her, don't be so afraid. The war has not ended. And then, because Nazi soldiers are not the smartest people in the world, as they have proven over and over again, he also tells her exactly where the remainder of the German army is hidden in ambush in the Black Forest. So Marta is just like, okay, thank you for that information. I hope you don't notice how quickly now when I have this information, I'm going to get the fuck out of this room. She just skedaddles back to her French army. And because of her efforts, the French army avoided this ambush and had a tactical advantage now. Her response to all of this, literally saving the world, one motive at a time, literally stopping the war, is, uh, quote, and that's how I got all those medals, end quote. Like, like it's nothing. It's not like I've saved hundreds of lives. It's not like I contributed to ending the Second World War. This woman has more respect than, like, most of my family, to be honest. <laughs> now there might be some of you that are going to be listening to this episode and just think, you know what, Maya, like, come on, girl, you're the first one to see through some bullshit, you know, to see through, like, somebody just giving you a story. Like, what if she has outlived everybody and has just made all of this up? To which I say, um, yeah, what if? Cool. In that case, she still wins. She still outlived everybody then, and nobody can confirm her story. But it's just the way she speaks about it, the details she's giving. In terms of her medals, she probably had to have confirmations by other people to gain them. The pictures of her, the confirmations that she was indeed a nurse, the documents that have existed in her other names. I don't know. I see enough motivations for her to do all of this and to come out on the other end. And also just seeing the spirit of this 101-year-old woman convinces me of it. Just seeing the spirit, I'm like, I'm buying what she's selling. I don't care. Even if it is the most elaborate lie, even if this woman went through like history books to learn about all of these things, like the Black Forest, the Siegfried Line, the names of the people, even if that is true, cool then you learn how to lie better and then sell me that story and outlive everybody while I did. Yeah, can you do it? Mm. Why can't? Why Why not? Interesting how you, you can't do that. Yeah. Stop fucking with over hundreds badass women. Stop doing it right now. So after the war, she returned to France and continued her career as a nurse. But in 1956, because she has no chill, she is actually studying again in Geneva. She meets this American medical student, Major L. Cohn, who was a roommate of a friend of hers. And within three years, she gets married to him and she starts living in the US. Because queen, queens, queens just get it. They aim for it and they get it. 
And for the next 70 years, she was calmly living in California, raising her family, just being in marriage, living her best life. But then when her brother contracted Parkinson's disease, she felt like she owed it to him to make her story public. So in 1998, she finally decided to write a book. I just realized my mouth was off for like a couple of years, maybe like two decades. <laughs> Don't make me do math now, okay? Between 45 and 98, how many years are there? Yeah, you do the math for me. Yeah, to fuck your mathematics. <laughs> This should be the title of every episode ever. Fuck your mathematics. (laughs) So she authored a 2002 memoir called Behind Enemy Lines, the true story of a French-Jewish spy in Nazi Germany. She gave talks all over the world, like as close as 2020. Her 1000th birthday, I need to tell you about this, like I'm gonna put maybe some video of it, you can find it on YouTube, it's like during quarantine, it's April 2020, literally her husband like is coming out of the house like, you know, surprise her, placing like happy 100th birthday on her garage and then like just placing two chairs, so she's just sitting next to the sidewalk and people just passing by with, like, happy birthday signs, singing song, cheering her on. Literally, it's just, like, social distance birthday of, of a legend. Of a legend. Nothing else to add. Just, like, everybody in the neighborhood just respects this woman so much. I mean, I would respect the woman just for living 100 years, let alone for everything else she has accomplished. Of course, with the book came a documentary as well. So there was a documentary film made about her called Chinchinette, The Accidental Spy. She was also inspired by Steven Spielberg's Shoah Foundation and she felt like this is the right venue for one of her first interviews. Soon after, she also recorded a story for the US Holocaust Memorial Museum. And as I told you, just gave talks and will probably give interviews until the day she dies. Which would be such a fucking sad day. I just, Marte, never, never. <laughs> Listen, never. You will never die, Marte. Also, some legend during this birthday proceedings read out through like a bullhorn a letter of congratulations from Israeli president Reuven Rivlin. And she also received phone calls from both Rivlin and the president of Germany, as well as hundreds of emails of the people who couldn't actually go and visit her to her house. How touched I am by all these messages and, and presents of so many people to t- celebrate my 100th birthday. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. From the President of Israel, I have the honor and the pleasure on behalf of the State of Israel of congratulating you as you celebrate your 100th birthday. Means, you know what I did for my 2020 birthday? Nothing. It was still, well, okay, I lie. I meant for like Chinese. That was it. There was no, there was no parade in front of my house. Did I deserve a parade? No. Did she? Yes. 
And with the writing and the documentary, I think we can all agree. Marte, if there was one thing, she was definitely not. She was not dumb. So she knew that there are going to be people who are skeptical and that she needs something to corroborate the story. So in 97, she went back to France and visited the French military archives and she asked for her, you know, fake documents that she has left behind. And the officials told her they didn't even know she was alive. They were like... Yo, hey, yeah, we remember you, legend. Sure, here are your documents. So, with those documents, and with the medals that she has also received on the basis of her work for the military, that, as I mentioned, other people corroborated, otherwise she wouldn't have gotten, like, 100 medals. She came out of her shell and has written a book about her life. And in terms of her medals, she won a number of awards, including the Cross of the Order of Merit medal, Germany's highest honor, multiple awards from the French and the Woman of Valor Award, as well as the Award for Outstanding Military Service that was awarded by the British Prime Minister at the time, which was Winston Churchill. And before we watch one last video, just to show you what kind of legend we're talking about, and to share that quote that might change your life for the better, there's one other quote that she said about just her old age and about how, with what mentality she went through the war. She said, if I weren't an optimist, I would not have survived. I always thought that we were right and the Germans were wrong. And because we were right, we were going to win. That's optimism. So now let's watch this video. This is her trailer for her documentary. But the end of the trailer, I was like, okay, I'm hooked. I I'm in. I'm in to whatever you want to say. I'm in. I am extremely busy because I give talks all over the United States and in Europe. Chichinette, une espionne au service de la France. Il a fait parvenir des renseignements militaires du plus grand intérêt qui ont facilité le succès de l'armée française en forêt noire. J'ai essayé 13 fois de traverser le front. J'étais toute seule. Pour la première fois de ma vie, je vivais sans ma famille. Ma soeur Stéphie, elle a été déportée. Je me suis sentie responsable. Personne ne parlait de la guerre, alors je n'en parlais pas. She is so gun-ho, it's what drives her and keeps her alive. What's your message to people today? I say, be engaged and don't accept any order that your conscience could not prove. Did you notice the little quote that I wanted you to notice? It's not the last thing where, like, her husband is not jealous. No, it's not that one. It's don't accept any order your conscience cannot approve. I have nothing else to tell you and nothing else to say, so I'm gonna leave it on that exact note. And I will see you all on Monday.